so Gary, when, when we planned this Youth Sunday, he said, hey, do you just want to preach the passage in Galatians? And I said, what is it? He said, freedom in Christ. And I thought, oh, that sounds fun and good. And it's Veterans Day tomorrow, right? So uh, that makes sense. Um, so actually, first, I want to, I want to honor our veterans. If, if, you, uh, if you're a veteran, could you stand up for us so we can clap for you? Thank you. Thank you. We, uh, we, ex- we experience freedom in, in our country because of men and women like you, and, uh, and we appreciate that. We appreciate the, the political freedom we have and the religious freedom we have. Um, today we also remember uh, that, that uh, we have brothers and sisters around the world that, that don't experience the same religious freedom that we do. Um, we, the persecution we face here, or at least my experience, it's, it's, it's pretty minimal. You know, um, there are... Uh, Famous people that speak out against uh, Christianity. There are maybe people that tease us, or uh, maybe uh, maybe maybe you could lose your job for it here in, in some extreme cases. But but we don't face what most of the world faces. Uh, I think it's 180,000 uh, people will die for their faith this year around the world, which is unreal to me. Um, and that's uh, just to wrap your mind around that. Vancouver happens to be right at about 180,000. So 180,000 brothers and sisters are going to die for Jesus this year. And that is, that is sobering. Uh, we're, we're experiencing as much persecution globally, or more actually, than um, I think it's in the last like 100 years or something like that compared to the previous couple thousand. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable the amount of persecution. Um, so I, I want to pray for them um, before we go on. And I would encourage you, keep praying. Um, the, the crazy thing is God uses this persecution to further the gospel. Like more and more people get saved as, as persecution gets, gets more intense. Um, but man, we, we need to pray for our brothers and sisters. So if you'll join me in that. Uh, Jesus, I, I thank you, Lord. Um, I thank you for your grace, God. I thank you that you, you died for us so that we could know you. Lord, and I'm humbled to know that, that there are Christians around the world that are facing scary, scary things, even death. And they go into it in your name, Lord. They, they, they gladly die for you, Jesus. I have no idea what I would do if I faced anything like that. I'm, I'm scared to think of what I would do. But Jesus, I thank you for empowering these believers around the world. And, and some of them aren't facing death. Some of them are you know, losing their jobs or their homes or, or their families or whatever. But God, it, it, is, it is so hard for me to even comprehend what's happening globally to your people. And I, I just I pray that you'd strengthen them, Lord. I pray that they would know that there are people around the world um, that, that love them and are praying for them, even though we don't know them. And uh, Jesus, will you minister to them, Lord? I thank you so much that you are a God that suffers along with us, that we're, we're not off on our own, but, but you are there, and certainly you know suffering better than any of us. Jesus, will you help them today, God? In your name, amen. Um, all right, Galatians 5. Uh, we've been going through Galatians for a while. Um, Man, Paul's an intense guy, if you didn't know that. And the more I've been studying this passage this week, the more I've realized, like, Paul, uh, Paul's probably the scariest of all the apostles. Like, I was thinking of the apostles I might be friends with. I wouldn't be friends with Paul. I don't have intense friends on purpose. Um, Peter was crazy, um, but couldn't aim his sword. I don't think he meant to cut off that guy's ear. I think he was going for more damage with that. So I'm not afraid of Peter. 
But Paul, I'm afraid of. Um, Paul, Paul gets so intense, he says, man, I, I wish that they would just, just go all the way and emasculate themselves, right? This, this passage, he's, he's talking about cir- circumcision. He's livid because uh, the, the, the churches in Galatia, uh, these Gentiles, they come to know Christ, right? They, they're saved um, by grace, through faith, through Christ, and that's it. That's, that's the gospel that Gary's boiled down for us, that Paul's boiled down for us. So these Galatians, uh, and actually we'll start in verse, in verse 7 there, I think. Um, he says, you were running well, right? You were saved by grace. It was going well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Right, so so some false teachers had come in and 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 spread like no, it, this isn't enough, and we'll, and we'll get we'll get to what that is, but but grace through Christ is not enough, right? Um, verse eight, this, uh, this persuasion is not from Him who calls you. This is not from God. A little leaven leavens the whole lump, right? And I, I've only made bread a few times, but um, but it, but he's saying like this false teaching, like it's a big, big deal. It's huge, and it will affect everything. There are churches every year that die because of false teachers, right? Uh, I think the number last year in America was about thirty five hundred churches died. Thirty five hundred churches closed their door. Christian churches, right? I don't know how many of it uh, was because of false teaching, but, but that, that happens. Okay, so uh, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view than mine, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. Brothers, uh, but, if, but if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, okay, and so this is the issue. Someone came in and said, you need to be circumcised in order to really be saved, right? He's adding these false teachers were adding to the gospel, right? I'm assuming that these had to be Jewish people coming in and saying this, right? Uh, the, the whole circumcision thing, if you don't know, that came in with Abraham, Abrahamic covenant. God said, hey, this is, this, is, this is a sign that you are my people, right? But it wasn't meant to just be this outwardly flesh thing. It certainly wasn't meant to save, right? Just like, just like getting baptized doesn't mean you're saved. Just like... Just like coming here every Sunday does not mean you're saved, right? Just like speaking in tongues doesn't mean you're saved. Uh, memorizing an old book of the Bible, you know, the list goes on and on. Supporting, uh, supporting orphans, doing Operation Christmas Child. Like none of these things get you saved, right? What, what, what gets you saved? Jesus, right? By grace alone we're saved, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's, that's it. So Paul is livid because... Because someone has said, no, that's, it's not enough. Grace is not enough. Right? So he says, but if I, brothers, still preach circumcision. And this, this really confused me because Paul certainly is not preaching circumcision. So I read one guy that, that he put parentheses in here. So it said, but if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, parentheses, which I am not, um, uh, then why am I still being persecuted? Right? Paul's not preaching that. He did tell Timothy in, back in Acts 16, um, Hey, I think you should get circumcised. Basically, because he was ministering to Jews, and, and it would ministry would probably go better if that just wasn't in the way. But he wasn't saying you needed to do that to get saved, right? Paul's a Jew, certainly circumcised, but he was not preaching circumcision. Um, uh, so verse 12, this is where he's like, Hey, man, if you're going to cut off the foreskin, why don't you just do the whole thing? I wish those who would unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Paul's an angry, angry apostle right now. <laughs> And it's good for us, but I'm glad I'm not his friend. <laughs> so, we're not saved. 
you know, because of some outwardly thing we've done. We're not saved because of all the good, good things that we've maybe done in our lives. Um, we're saved only through grace. Verse 6 says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Right. So our, our good religious deeds or works or whatever you want to call them, they don't save me. Right? Just as my good non-religious deeds or my bad non-religious deeds don't save me. None of that saves me. It's only through Christ that, uh, that we are saved. But these people came in and say, no, no, that's, that's not enough. We've, we've got to add to that. Um, grace is an incredible thing. Uh, and it's, I, for me, it's hard to believe. I, I, I find myself, I've been in the church my whole life. Um, I've known Jesus, I've been following Jesus for, for my life a long time. Some of you are going, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you're only 34. But most of my life I've been following Jesus. Um, and still grace hangs me up because it sounds too good to be true, right? Just that, that, it, that it truly is this gift that we get, that I get what I do not deserve is unbelievable. And that I not only... I don't have to do anything for it. I can't do anything for it, right? Like, I cannot, I cannot at all earn it. Um, is Reagan here, Lynn? Yep, she's right there. Okay. Um, Reagan, can I tell a story? Can I tell a story, sweetie? No? Okay. I'm going to make up a story then. So, um, let's say this. Let's say that, um, let's say I took my family to the coolest place ever, and I'm trying to figure out what that is right now. Uh, we go to um, we go to some amusement park in Florida. Uh, we've been to Disneyland. Uh, just kidding, I love Disneyland. Um, <laughs> that was my other story. That's my problem. Um, so let, let, let's say let's say we take our kids. Oh no, Caden Caden loves astronaut stuff, right? Let's say we go to the, like the NASA space camp. Okay, right, which I guess is really, really cool. We go, they have an awesome time, right? My son just loves it. He thinks it's the best ever. We get back home, and, and he says, Dad, when can we go again? And I go, son, it costs a lot of money. Like, it, it costs us a ton just to get there in the first place. Like, we're going to, in order for us to do that again, I'm not saying we can, but in order for us to do that again, we would have to save up a lot, it, 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 the, the plane tickets, everything, it's a lot of money. And he goes, okay, I'll help you. Right? Now, he's my eight-year-old son. What, how is he going to earn money? He's going to earn money by asking me, hey, Dad, is there something I can do? <laughs> yeah, son, uh, go close that door. <laughs> Here's 15 cents. <laughs> you know, like, e- even, even what he could possibly contribute to me, it's from me. <laughs> right? Man, God's grace is that way. The good things I do, I'm good at something because God made me that way. You know, a lot of people, you, you might be really proud of something, your strong work ethic. Well, who got you that work ethic? You, you, you know, God gave you the parents that instilled that in you, or, or maybe you did it yourself. I don't know. Either way, like, it's, it's God, right? This is grace. Grace is not what we contribute. Grace, God did it. It's free to us. Totally free. The cost to him was everything. But, but to us... It's totally free. Um, reminds me of a, a parable. Um, Jesus tells this story in Luke 15. And we're not going to turn there. We don't have time. Luke 15. Uh, and we call it often the uh, story of the prodigal son. Right? My guess is a lot of you know it. If not, go read it. It's really good. 
um, we often call it the prodigal son. And, and it's, it, it's really a story. Um, and thanks to a guy named Tim Keller, he wrote a little book called The Prodigal God. And I'd, I'd recommend you, you go get that book. It is, it's not a long read. Um, it is, it, it, the depth is incredible, yet easily understandable. I understood it all, I think. <laughs> um, it's, it's really good. So Prodigal God, you should go check that out. But, but he points out that when Jesus tells this story, he says, there's a man with two sons. Right? He, does, he doesn't focus everything on the son that goes away, which we so often do, and then comes back and receives grace. He says there's a story of two sons. right? And these two sons, the younger brother, who I'll get to in a second, and the elder brother, they represent two ways that we uh, humans, that we try to save ourselves. Right? The, the younger brother, he, he, uh, he basically says, forget it. I don't need you, Father, or I don't need you, God. I'm going to do this my own way. I'm going to figure this out my own way, and, and, and we'll get to what happens. The older brother is really good. He does everything right, apparently. He, he served. He doesn't complain. He does everything he should do, right? And, and, and so for him, he, uh, he's trying to save himself through his own good deeds, or may, maybe, maybe it'd be moralism or legalism, you know, trying to, to do everything right by God's standards, right? But both are totally lost. Neither, uh, neither are being saved through Jesus. It's, it's on their own, the self-salvation. So the younger brother, you know, he, uh, he basically says, hey, dad, um, I want the inheritance. I'm getting out of here. Dad gives him the inheritance. He takes off, and he, it says he squanders the money on wild living, uh, has a really, really good time, spends all of it, um, and eventually he runs out, and life isn't working for him, um, and he is, he's feeding pigs, right, and he's looking at the food that he's throwing to the pigs, and he wants that food, and it says that he comes to the end of himself, he comes to his senses, and realizes, man, even my dad's servants eat better than this. I wonder if there's any chance, if I could go back to my dad Say, Dad, I'm sorry, I messed up. Can I just work for you? Because my life would be better than this. And honestly, that makes sense to me, right? If that was me, if I did that, going back and being a servant, that sounds right. But that's not what happens. He comes back. Dad spots him. Dad's sprinting towards him, right? The son's got his well-rehearsed speech. Like if you all think back to when you were a kid and you did something wrong and you knew it and you had to drive home, you knew exactly what you were going to say to dad, hoping for the best result, right? He had that. So he's going back. Dad's sprinting at him. He's like, oh, uh, okay. Starts the speech. Dad doesn't even listen. Dad is so excited to see his son, right? And the son's like, oh, I'm sorry. I've sinned against you and blah, blah, blah. And dad's like, hey, he's talking to his servants about we're getting a party started because this boy that was lost has now been found. He, he, he puts his best robe on him, puts the ring on him, gets like a, a, a fattened calf for him. And it is good. And it is a picture of grace that is incredible, which is why I think we focus is so much on the prodigal son because it it is it's unbelievable it is so cool so the older brother hears and the older brother like i said he he uh he represents trying to be saved through your own good deeds whether they're religious or not um the older brother he's ticked he's ticked that that this that this son who squandered away everything has come back and now there's a party for him the older brother won't even go inside so the dad doesn't even have to do this, but the dad humbles himself, goes outside, and he goes to talk to the son. He's like, what's, what's going on? Come on in. Your brother is back. This is good. And, and the, the son, is, he's ticked off. And, and he, says, he says, I can't believe this. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously. 
I've, ne- I've always served you well. I've done everything you ever asked. I've never, I- I've never even thought about not, not serving you well. And here my brother goes off, wastes everything, wastes half your inheritance, or wastes a chunk of your inheritance, comes back and now you're throwing a party for him? No, I'm not going into that room. You know, and in this older son, you, 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 hear, you hear how lost he is. You, you realize that, that he, he is just as lost as the younger brother was. The weird thing is the story ends, the younger brother, man, he's back. Like, he is in grace. He is saved. Well, the brother, we don't find out what happens to him. Now, in church, we should, all, we should think a lot about the older brother because usually that's where the older brother hangs out, his church, Right? Man, I was an older brother. I'm probably still sometimes an older brother. You know, I grew up in church. I did a lot of things right. I did ton and tons of bad stuff, too, um, that I tried to hide really well. I did a lot of things right. You know, I, I didn't ever get drunk. You know, saved, uh, saved myself for marriage. You know, the list goes on and on. Didn't smoke, blah, 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 whatever. None of those things saved me. None of those things, none of those things bring me into a right standing with God. Let's go to Galatians 5.1. I think we have it on the screen. This says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. And that seems like a no-brainer statement. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. By the way, that's the thing that's on your bulletins there. We're probably not using yokes much. Apparently, that's what they look like. If not, I had no idea, and I chose that. Um, So he says, man, Jesus has set you free. Don't go back to being a slave. Okay, right. So Paul loves to talk about children and 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 and, uh, and slaves, right? He, he he uses those those images a lot. He's already used it um, here in Galatians a few times. In Romans eight, he talks about the slave, and he talks about um, the slave is is fearful. The slave is always hoping to please. The slave is is constantly wondering if what what they have done is enough to earn favor with their master, right? Our kids. Your kid, your son, your daughter, it shouldn't be that way, right? Yeah, do they need to obey? Sure. But man, my kids, they have rights. They have, they have full reign of my house, right? And man, I don't know if that's good or not, but my kids can go anywhere in my house, right? My kids, my daughter and my son, they love to like poke around in drawers and find change. And I tell them, don't do that without asking. Um, but, but my kids, they're my kids. Like they, they, they're not a slave to me. Yeah, I want them to, I want them to obey. But really, my hope is that, like, they obey because they love me, because it's good for them. You know, I don't, I don't want, I don't want my kids to be afraid. Um, my, uh, I went to Haiti. I was on the Haiti team, and uh, and uh, Caden had two soccer games. I probably told you guys several times over the last couple of years. I coached soccer. I love soccer. I used to be okay at it. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a great coach. I'm an okay coach. Um, my kids have a good time and and that's good. Um, actually I yell so much good stuff, but I yell, I'm really loud. Um, and, uh, I'm like pacing up and down the soccer line and, uh, or the the end line yelling my head off about everything. The other coach brings me a lollipop that I stick in my mouth, (laughs) hoping that like, I'll be quiet. It was my plan. It doesn't work. I just eat a lollipop and yell a lot. Um, (laughs) 
there's this other coach. It's so lame. This other coach on the other team. Whoa, you don't do that, apparently. This other coach on the other team. Paul, I'm going to use you because we're close. So this other coach on the other team, could you just cross your legs and sit like proper? This is how the other coach sits on this other team that we play from time to time. And he'll like have the kid come off and I'll get close and talk to him. And I'm just like, oh, I'm such an idiot. I'm yelling my head off. My team's like not even winning, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, so I go to Haiti. All that to say, I go to Haiti and Caden has a soccer game. Uh, he has two soccer games, and the first one did not go well. They, they got just throttled, which happened a lot to us this year. Uh, we got to learn a lot through getting beat down. Um, but anyway, uh, I got this message from Lindsay through email that Caden ah, didn't want me to know. He was, he was sad. He was, he was scared. He was scared that I'd be disappointed in him, right? Because his team didn't win a game, which is so absurd. Like, totally absurd. Oh, man, I love you, Caden. I love you when you score a goal, when you don't score a goal. You know, I want you to try your hardest, but I love you. You can't do anything to change your position as my son, right? We cannot do anything to make God love us more. And I think we need to soak in that, right? Our good works, Christians, if you know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, like your good things that you do do not make Jesus love you more, right? Billy Graham is not loved by God more than I am. And that's crazy to me. Because in our economy, that doesn't quite seem right. Because Billy Graham, I don't even know how many people have come to know Jesus through Billy Graham. He's doing this video right now that I think you all should watch. It's really good, by the way. 95 years old and still going for it. But Jesus loves me as much as Billy. And that, that doesn't make any sense to me, right? But, but it, it, it's true. Like scripture, scripture teaches that. Like we don't, our obedience doesn't make Jesus love us more, Right? My sin doesn't make me less desirable to God. I'm already undesirable, okay? I am already wretched, messed up, dead in sin, and so are you if you don't know it. We live in this free country. Um, We're born into freedom, so to speak, but Paul's telling us, man, you're actually born spiritually into slavery. So let's keep going here in verse 2. He says, look, Paul, or look, I, Paul, (laughs) say to you, that if you accept circumcision, right? If you accept something in addition to the gospel, right? If you, and you can fill in the blank here. It can be anything that you're adding in. For them, it was circumcision. If you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. If they weren't paying attention, they sure should be now. Because that should make all of us go, wait, Christ is of every advantage to me. If he's not, something's really wrong. So if you're adding, uh, Tim Keller said, if you are adding to Christ, you are subtracting Christ. Okay, when, when we add to the gospel, when we add to and think, I need to do this, I need to join this Bible study, I need to be part of this community group, I need to serve in this way, I need to do these things, our motivation should actually be, man, we love Jesus and we want to do it. Not, I need to do these things so that I gain right standing because we are not slaves If you know Jesus, you're not a slave. You're a son. You're a daughter in Christ. We we, we don't operate in fear. Verse 3 says, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. So you may understand that, you may not. He's saying if you you take this extra thing, and in this case it's circumcision, if you're going to try the elder brother root to, to be made right with God, 
It's not just circumcision. It means you do everything right. Total perfection. You have to get it all right and never mess up in order for that to work. I'm assuming we all know that's not possible. I, uh, I had a friend that works for a company, um, and they, uh, they, they, they did some manufacturing, but they were also the hub for all their parts for what they did. And I, I can't even remember what it was they built. Um, but uh, their goal in, in their department was perfection, right? And I, I don't know how other businesses work. Um, I assume that's probably all your, always your goal, to like get it right. That makes sense to me. Um, but, but this guy couldn't handle it. Because he, he could go for a couple of weeks and do everything right, but then eventually like, he would ship the wrong part or, or, or not send enough or mess something up. And, and he developed this real paranoia over this. Um, and he, it, was, it was messing him up. It was messing up his whole life. It was messing up his marriage. Like, it, it affected really everything because he could not handle he couldn't handle this, this standard of perfection. And I didn't know anybody else there. I didn't get to talk to anybody else there. I don't know what it was really like. I don't know if it was all in this guy's head or what. But man, that's what Paul's saying. Is, is If that's the route you're going, right? If you think that your good stuff is going to get you into heaven, man, you've got to do it all good. No mistakes. None at all. We know that that doesn't, that doesn't work. This is what he says in verse 4. He says, you are severed from Christ. If that's the right you're going to go, you're severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. Verse 5. We're going to kind of end here on 5 and 6. Sorry, on 5. He says, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. I think there's a lot packed into here. And I, I'm just I'm going to break it down. Although there's way further you could go, so um, the hope for righteousness. So first, let's talk about that word hope, right? Our uh, it, the word in English, it, it could mean like oh, I hope it hope it doesn't rain today, right? Yeah, good luck. You're in Camas. Um, we're we're going to rain unless it's August. Um, it's not that. It's not man. I hope the Blazers make the playoffs this year, which. Maybe that could happen. Um, no, th- this word is like, it, it, it will certainly happen, okay? So this, this righteousness, like this will certainly come. So uh, positionally, like as a Christian, right? Jesus saves you. Christ, his righteousness is given to you, right? Or the fancy word, the theological word is imputed to you, okay? You, you have Christ's righteousness. Um, but we're not there yet, obviously, right? Like, I am not fully righteous, right? I, I do not live perfectly. That will not come until I, I die and go see him or he comes before I die. And, and, and then, then the, the, the sanctification process is complete. Then we are made totally righteous, right? But for now, man, I still got baggage. I still got scars. There's stuff that I do. So, so this hope is sure. It is coming. And it says that, that we eagerly wait. Like, if you're a Christian... And you look around and you see how bad this world is. Or, or maybe you're just looking at yourself and go, man, I just keep blowing it. I, I cannot do it. You're right. You can't. Like we, we are just, we're desperate in our need for Jesus. So that, that's coming, right? Um, that happens by faith, right? Our part is we believe. Like we trust God, right? 
Holy Spirit does all the other stuff. We just believe. And I, and I know sometimes that's really hard, our part. Like just believing, like we face doubts. Or, uh, man, I don't know how many times I've seen like a student come to know Jesus and, and they're stoked. And then they get back to, you know, they come to know Jesus at camp. And then, and then they get back and, and summer's going good. And then school hits and like real kind of normal life stuff hits. And hard, maybe even harder stuff than they faced before. And Man, those things make it tough. They make it tough to believe. So we eagerly await in faith, but it's by the Spirit, even still. Like our ability to believe. Like I said earlier, anything you're good at, it's because God's given it to you. So even, even our ability to have faith, it is, it's the Spirit's work in us. It's Him saying, come on, keep going. Jesus is good. I love in Romans 8 where it talks about the Spirit praying for us when we don't even know how to pray. I think um, Galatians 2.20 and we'll, we'll wrap up here, and then we'll, we'll sing a couple songs. Galatians 2.20, I think, just parallels Galatians 5.5. 5. It says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself, gave himself up for me. I'm going to read it one more time. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life that I now live in the flesh while I'm waiting. I live by faith in the Son of God whom loved me, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Uh, let's have the youth man come up and uh, I'm going to pray for us. God, Jesus, will you help us to understand grace correctly? We help us to understand that, that it is incredible, even though it sounds too good to be true. Someone like Paul was, was very convinced that it was true, and he was angry with anyone that would add anything to the gospel, Lord. Jesus, may we understand that your grace is real. God, I pray that, that we would live as children, God, who are just excited to obey you, not fearful, but, but the, the closer we are to Jesus, the further we would be from sin, just because that's how it works, because Jesus and sin don't coexist. Lord, may we love you, God. May we sit in the reality of your grace that we are saved by you. And it's not because we do good stuff or bad stuff, but it's because, because Jesus died for us and you've given us the, the opportunity, Lord. And God, we thank you. In your name, amen.